are listening to the Innovo Podcast, a ministry of Innovo Vineyard Church in Wichita, Kansas. To learn more about Innovo, you can visit us online at innovovineyard.com. We hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, hey, we're doing a series called All In on the Church, and as Jandria said, we're talking about uh, dealing with politics as God's people, not always an easy thing. It's a minefield sometimes, isn't it? I tell you. Um, and I, wanna, I don't want to give the impression that politics aren't important to the Lord. Um, politics is about policies. Policies are about people, and people matter to God. So I think God care, it's not like God doesn't care about what's going on, but I want us to know that his major concern is the church, uh, you, that's what God cares about, how things are going to affect you, how all this uh, plays out for you, because that's what's on God's heart, and uh, His church is what's ultimately going to affect the world, so this is what's important to the Lord. But it is a, it is a tricky time in our, in our communities, in our country, and especially for diverse communities. Uh, next week, Will's going to speak. I'm doing children's ministry next week. Yeah, thank you. It's going it's to see you. <laughs> Hopefully you feel that way afterwards, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, but we're going to have a lot of fun. Will's going to speak next week, and I'm looking forward to that too. But our, our, you know, there's a lot of emotions still about politics. This whole election, election thing is up in the air still. Nothing's been decided, and it's just, uh, we, I think we need, we need to tune into each other and love each other and not ram each other's, ram our opinions down each other's throats, you know what I'm saying? We need to, we need to be sensitive to how other people are feeling. And my, my concern when it comes to elections, and I didn't say this before, but I'll say it afterwards, um, number one, how, do, how will the, one of these two candidates affect the church? That's something I think about. Um, how will one of these candidates, how will they affect our liberties? And how will they affect people that can't fight for themselves? the marginalized, uh, the poor, uh, unborn. You know, I think, I think about those things. Uh, they're issues that are important to me. But I was praying about what to share today, and I, f- I feel like the Lord gave me some encouraging things to, to drop on us today that's going to be good. You know, we all know it's a crazy year. You know, I've probably said that 50 times already. It's been a crazy year. We all know that. It's been unpredictable. Uh, it's taught us that we're not in control of so many things, you know, and now with the election uncertainty, I feel like what God is saying to the church, and not just to, to us, but I think he's saying this to the, the national church and the global church, um, don't be afraid, trust me, um, no matter how crazy things seem, I got this, and I could almost say that things are probably going to get crazier, <laughs> you know, as time goes by. Um, but the Lord's been speaking this to me for a few years now. When we got our building two years ago, we were really stepping out in faith. We didn't really know that we had the money to make the payments. You know, I don't encourage that all the time. But, you know, I kind of felt like the Lord was saying, I, I got this. You know, uh, don't be afraid. Fear not. And we took that step. And the Lord has more than covered our expenses through you guys. And I appreciate that. Uh, but he kept saying over and over again, fear not. Don't be afraid, I got this. And that's what I think the Lord is saying to us today. You know, for you, there might be some issues that, that you see that are causing anxiety in you right now. There might be some things making you afraid or uncomfortable. You might have some uncertainty about the future. 
And he's not stopped saying it. Fear not. Trust me. Walk with me. I got this. Doesn't mean everything's going to turn out the way that you want it to go. Doesn't mean there might not be some loss. But I believe that he's in control and he cares about his church and he is involved with his church. And, you know, as I put together just, you know, even sentences and word structures, so sometimes it doesn't totally, you know, it, it sounds kind of weird. Uh, I wrote down, we're moving into a time in history that say it's new territory. And really the future is always new territory, but this is new, new territory. This is, you know, it's, it's going to, we're, we're facing things that we haven't faced before. And I think if we're not careful, we might find ourselves a little unprepared for things and shaky. Maybe this is how it's going to be. But much like the children of Israel when they entered the promised land, yes, it was a land of giants, you know, uh, a land of uncertainty, but it was also a land of promise and a land of destiny. And I think that's what we're facing right now. We can look at things one of two ways. You can take on that doom and gloom. What's going to happen? You know, don't know where things are going. You know, or you can say, you can choose to focus on the fact that God's in control. He's got plans for us. Uh, he's involved with his church, and it's going to be good. So, <clears throat> could you get me a bottle of water? That'd be awesome. I don't normally need that. Uh, how many guys pray for victory? I pray for victory. I just want to live in victory, you know. Uh, victory implies there's going to be battles. <laughs> if you pray for victory, you're, gonna, you're praying for battles, you know. Uh, but I, I think the Lord will remind us this, you know, we're, we're secure in what he's doing right now. Thanks, baby doll. My lovely assistant. Oh, it's cold, too. Uh, he's going to work through us because we're part of his plan. Like I said, there might be some loss, but this, this is what we're made for. This is what we're made for. So I'm going to say another statement that's kind of like a duh statement this morning. Um, fear not requires something. When, when God says, fear not, it's gonna, it requires something of us. And that thing that it's required is faith. The way that you don't have fear is by exercising faith. Now, faith isn't just a belief, but it's a confidence that affects our thinking and our actions. You know, we see faith sometimes as this special ability that we summon up for the biggies. You know, someone's sick, uh, you got an unexpected bill, you got an uh, obstacle or a problem, we got to summon up some faith. That's what we think of sometimes. But I think the faith that God is building into us is faith for everyday living. Faith to trust him every day. You know, anxiety, we all, we all deal with anxieties and challenges, and I know that I do. And sometimes, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm focused and I'm good, and there's times where I just, I get anxious, and I do, I do get afraid about things. But what God is wanting to build into his people is this confidence uh, that he's at work around us, you know, and that he, how he feels about us, which is positive, that helps move us through the everyday, and in the process, it gets us ready for the big needs. When a big thing drops on you and you got to have faith in those things, the way that happens is by every day walking in faith, trusting God, um, which reduces our anxiety and our stress and gets us ready, and it increases our confidence and lets us move forward in a place of security and rest and peace to where we're not always having to work something up. I mean, it's just, it's just honest. And that's what people need today. You know, all the people around you, as stressed as you feel, people that don't know the Lord right now, 
have a lot of stress and anxiety with what's going on in the world right now. And uh, I just want to be living in such a way where I don't freak out. Anybody freak out? You know what I'm saying? You, get, you, just get, you, you, fight, you wake up in a day and you just feel like, ah, <laughs> you know? And we have these freak out moments where we just kind of get, you know, we're, we're angry or it shows up in different ways in our lives. And if, if we are, you know, that's a sign sometimes that we're not just walking in faith and trust in the Lord. And those moments get less and less, you know. So I think for us right now, it's a time for us as the church to declare, I trust the Lord. I trust him. No matter what goes on around me, you know, I know his leadership is good. I'm going to come out the better for it, and it's going to be good. Even though we have some uncertainty. I mean, some of you guys today, you'd be like, life would be better if Joe Biden got elected president and it was formalized. Some of you guys are like, life would be better if President Trump got reelected and they found some votes or whatever, however the process is going, I don't know. But we've got to know, as the church, as God's people, my faith and your faith is tied um, to the fact that we're God's people and not to a, a candidate, okay? Your faith is not in the hands of a candidate, Okay? We've learned that over the last four years, last 12 years, wherever your political leanings are, your fate is not tied to a candidate. It's tied to your being part of the church and what God thinks about his church, and that's huge. You know, we are what matters to him. This is a bold statement. We are why things exist right now in the physical. God is building something, and his church is what's important to him, and we're right in the middle of that, so... So there's a great promise today in the Bible I want to talk about that um, I think is just for now. <laughs> it's for us. I know it's for me. It's a great one to build your life on right now, and a great one to memorize and lean on. And when, when there's something good in the Word that really hits you, it's good to memorize it and rehearse it. Uh, it was written to believers in Rome almost 2,000 years ago. One of my favorite chapters in the Bible is Romans chapter 8. And in this chapter, Paul is laying out all the good things that Jesus has done for us. Why we have it so good? Because he's done this and he's done that. And he says, you know, we aren't condemned. We're sons who have intimacy with the Father. The Holy Spirit's working for us. Nothing can separate us from his love. And all this was designed to build confidence in us as his people. And then right in the middle of it, he just kind of makes a summary statement that kind of it summarizes the whole thing. And you've heard it before, and it's been misquoted, <laughs> but it's still good. And it's this, Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And, and this builds a lot of encouragement in me to, to hear this. And it gives us a behind-the-scenes look at how God works and what God thinks about us and what he's up to right now. So I just, I'm going to, I don't normally do it like this. I'm going to kind of break this verse down into six little parts. We're just going to look at it. Then we're going to kind of tie it together at the end. And I'm, I'm hoping you come out of here today with more confidence and more excitement about what God's doing right now in the world. So the first part is this. And we know. And we know. There's things as part of the church, man, we, we, we have to know. I think faith is a sure confidence that causes us to act, and knowing is the foundation for living. You're going to do what you know. You're going to do what you think, what you believe. You can tell yourself something, um, but 
unless you really know it, know that you know that you know it, it's not really going to affect you. We, there's some things that we just know. I didn't wake up this morning and think, the sun came out. Oh my gosh, I was worried about that. It came up. You know, I was kind of, I, I laid in bed at night and thought, well, what if the sun comes up? Well, you know, God's good. The sun's going to come up, but what if it doesn't? You know, we don't, I don't, we don't think like that, do we? We know. We don't even think. You know, no one's ever come up to you and said, I wonder if the sun's going to come up tomorrow. What are we going to do if it doesn't? You know, we don't think about that. We, we know that we know that the sun's going to come up. Another thing is, like, there's going to be air to breathe tomorrow. It's going to be good air, you know, for the most part. <laughs> um, we, we, we know that there's going to be air. You know, we don't even think about it. We don't, have to, we don't have to drum it up. We don't have to encourage ourselves or talk us into it. We know that we know that there's going to be air. Another thing is, I meant to bring this up before, but I didn't. Uh, we've got to have confidence like, like this, like a chair. Now, I watched you guys when you came in today. I didn't see anybody check that chair out first before you sat down in it. I didn't see anybody walk around and think, well, I wonder if that's going to hold us. I wonder if it's structurally has some integrity and some soundness. I didn't see us put some weight on it first to test it out. You know, how many times have you sat in a chair? You know, thousands and thousands. You just came in and you sat. You didn't look. You didn't brace yourself. You weren't expecting for it to collapse and for you to roll onto the floor. I had that happen to a teacher of mine. We had a, in, in college, we had a little uh, roundtable discussion, and a teacher sat, and the professor sat down in his chair, and he crossed his legs. As soon as he crossed his legs, the chair collapsed. And he went rolling across the floor. And, uh, of course, we thought that was the funniest thing we'd ever seen before. You know, we laughed and laughed and laughed. It was so funny. But, you know, 99.9% of the time, when you sit down in a chair, it's going to hold you. You don't even think about it. That's faith. That's the kind of faith and confidence that God's wanting to build in us that you don't even have to think about it. You just sit without thinking because you know it's going to hold you. I've got, I've got an advantage over a lot of you. Um, I'm older. and I've, I gave my life to the Lord Jesus when I was nine. So that means that this summer coming up, it will be 50 years I've been following the Lord Jesus. And there's times in our, in our marriage and my personal life, I could just give you time after time after time where I was anxious and worried or concerned. And man, God has just been there. And he's been faithful. And he's secure. And he's shown me that he loves me. And not everything has gone my way. I've, I've had some great disappointments in my life. But I've just been amazed at how even though I've been, I've lost a job or something didn't work out where something better happened. Uh, but I didn't see it till later. You know, Mary and I, were, we were discussing our stories with uh, different vineyard pastors this week. And one of the things we talked about was, well, how'd you guys meet? And I thought, you know, Mary's from Cincinnati. I'm from Chicago. We went to a college in Chattanooga, Tennessee that neither of, neither of us, it was our first choice. Yet we get down there and we meet and we get married and we've been married for 38 years and have been working together in life and ministry and have kids. None of that would have happened. I've, I couldn't have planned that, that she's going to come from Cincinnati, I'm going to come from Illinois, we're going to meet in Tennessee and get married. You know, the Lord, there's so many of those in my life I can point to and say, you know, that was just the Lord. That was just the Lord. 
And I, I still deal with anxiety and stress sometimes, but more of my life is this now, <laughs> where I can just sit back, man, he's faithful. I don't know what's going to happen here. I don't know what's going to happen here. I wish this would happen here, but it's not. Uh, this is kind of concerning over here, but you know he's faithful, and you know we're in relationship, and I know. Um, 99% of that is him, not me, <laughs> that I know because he's faithful, and I've seen it, and I've lived it, and it really helps, but what we're, what we're going for is, is this kind of thing, and as we're in new territory right now, political stuff, pandemics, concerns, He's just wanting us to know that, to know that we know that we know that he's faithful and he's there for us and we know. What do we know? <laughs> he says, and we know, number two, that God. <laughs> and we know that God, this is good. God is what we know. <laughs> he exists, he's involved, he's good, and that's important. And so much of the political turmoil right now is because people don't know God and this is their hope for the future is politics. You know, it's the hope. But we know there's a government beyond the government that we see. There's the kingdom of God that we're walking in. And that's been good for us. So we know that God is involved like this chair. And we know that he causes all things to work together. He's working. This is the part I like probably the best. You know that word, uh, I don't always do a lot of word research. I've been doing more lately than I've done in the past. But that Greek word, that Paul uses uh, for, for work is synergy or synergy. It's where we get our word synergy. You know, what does synergy mean? Uh, synergy, it's the, it's the interaction or cooperation of two or more organizations, substances, or other agents to produce a combined effect greater than the sum of the corporate, of the uh, separate effects. For example, Clydesdale horses. You know, don't you just love to see those Clydesdale horses? We toured the, the Budweiser, that's probably another word I'm not supposed to say in church, the Budweiser factory in St. Louis, and they had those commercials with the Clydesdales. And you got to go back in the back and see these huge horses with a beautiful fur on their feet, and those things are they're massive. And you can take a Clydesdale horse and, and hook it up to a, um, to a cart or something, and a Clydesdale can pull 2,000 pounds of weight, those things are they're huge. And you put two Clydesdale horses onto a cart and they can pull six to 8,000 pounds. Now you think, that doesn't make sense. How could one horse can pull 2,000, you put two together, it should be 4,000. But it's not, it's six to eight. Why is that? Synergy. To, together they can pull more than, than twice the weight they could on their own. That's the word that Paul uses here. Synergy, he, he causes all things to work together. You know, we think that God, that means God's doing all the work. You know, I love that, I love that song. It's a song for this year, if ever before. You know, even when I don't see him, he's working. Even when I don't see it. You know, uh, that, that's a great song for right now, Waymaker. But it's, it's this word synergy is that he wants to pull us into this with him <laughs> to where we're working together. And we see so much more reward for the effort because he wants us to be part of it, you know. He causes all things to work together. And I don't know how all this works, to be honest with you. I just know looking back at my life, nothing's wasted. 
You know, does God cause everything? Everything that happens is it God's will? There's a deep question. You know, is, is everything that happens God's choice? I'd say, I don't think so. But I know this, he uses everything in the lives of his people and his church, even my own failures and mistakes. And that's the hardest one for me. When I screw it up, I think, you know, maybe I've disqualified myself, or maybe I've messed it up, or maybe I've gotten it off track. You know, I used to hear that story, you know, if two people are walking together and one just moves a little bit, you know, five miles down the road, they're going to be a mile apart, you know. And I'd hear that, and it would scare me, and I'm thinking, you know, he's faithful, even when I screw up, which is often, <laughs> sometimes, you know, uh, he just has a way of, if, if I stay in relationship with him and work with him, he, he, he makes it, he, it's not wasted. He even uses my mistakes and my failures, which is huge. And he causes everything to work together um, for the good, for good. Now, good, gets a, good is one of those words that gets us a little confused. You know, I used to be a student pastor, and we'd pray, well, what do we want to pray about today? Well, I want to pray to have a good day. <laughs> like, okay, what does that mean, you know? I want to have a day where nothing goes wrong, and everything is good, you know, and, you know, nice, and people like me, and like, well, okay, I'll pray that, but I'm not sure that's what's going to happen today, you know? Uh, good, this word good does not mean nice or pleasant or easy. It's another Greek word, uh, agathon. It means health, wholeness, soundness. It's like a tree. Um, how many of you guys have been mushroom hunting before? Okay, a few of you guys. We used to go hunting morel mushrooms. We'd drive to my, parents, my grandparents' house in Missouri in April, scour the woods looking for morel mushrooms, which are delicious and expensive, actually. I didn't know that when I was a kid. We just went and hunted mushrooms. And we'd go through the woods. And I, in Missouri, you know, in Kansas, things because of the wind, trees don't get as tall. You know, in Missouri, the trees touch. You know, there's more trees, and they get huge. And I remember walking up on a big tree and thinking, man, look at that thing. That thing must be strong. It must weigh a ton. And I walk around it, and there'll be this gigantic hollow place in one side. I'm thinking, man, that is a huge hole in that tree. How can that thing stand up? Man, the weight of that tree, it's got to be thousands of pounds it's not sound. It's not whole. There's a giant gap in it. Things that's going to collapse when the wind blows, and it's going to be bad. But you can also walk around and see a bigger tree, and you walk around it, and it's sound. It's whole. It's all together. It's solid. That thing is going to last a long time. And I and I saw these trees. It's called a home H O L M oak tree. Very popular in landscaping and ur urban designs because they have this picturesque rounded canopy. Low-hanging branches are beautiful. These home oak trees, uh, very much in demand. They're slow-growing. They grow very slowly. They don't just shoot up like a willow tree. Willow trees shoot up really fast. They're not very strong. The wind blows them over. You, know, you can get a giant willow tree in three years. A home oak takes uh, scores of years to get large, but they grow very slowly. And the average lifespan, predicted lifespan, is 400 years for a home oak, you know. It, it happens slowly. So, you know, God's agenda is not to make us willow trees, but home oak trees. <laughs> so he is bring, he's using everything. He's bringing, he's, he wants to work soundness and wholeness and goodness, integrity into our lives so that we can handle a lot of weight, you know.
if I think, you know, ideally I'm thinking, you know, I just admire and respect right now older godly people who are just walking in confidence in the season. They got some years, they got some mileage, they know Jesus, they've walked with him for years, and you know, they're just, they don't get rattled very easy. They're just steady, they provide, I, mean, I like to be around those people because there's just a peace on those people, you know. I got to hang out with some this week, some old vineyard pastors that have done this for years, and I like it. But he's, what he means when he says he's causing all things to work together for good is he is conforming your life to the image of the Lord Jesus in my life. He is making us more like him. He's using everything because he wants you to be sound and whole. He's bringing health into your life. I wish it just happened like this. I wish I could take a class. Wouldn't that be nice? Listen to a podcast. <laughs> and there it is. But no, man, I got I to gotta go through it. I got to go through some pressure. I got to go through some life, some winds, some storms, some elections, <laughs> you know, some different things, you know, some pandemics maybe. And, but the Lord uses it to build soundness into our lives. And, and, and he knows everything. He knows everything. If I could just see it the way he sees it, you know, um, it would just be awesome. He's got the big picture. You know, he says, you know, I know exactly what I'm going to do to you right now through you in this time. I know how I'm going to respond to you in this time of trouble. I know how this time of trouble is going to change you and bring soundness into your life. I know how I'm going to use you to make you uh, more effective in this time. And I know how this is going to bring us closer, you know, to your church, to me. You know, he's got a plan of how he's going to use it, even in our failures and struggles, for our good. Doesn't mean our ease or our comfort. Doesn't mean it's going to be simple. But he's using all things, working all things together. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. He wants to bless your circumstances. I don't think, I don't, I'm not against that. I don't think that God's against it. You know, Jesus healed bodies, you know. He cared about how people were doing their condition. He multiplied food. He calmed storms. He wants to bless us, but he'll also allow these troubles to come into our life because they build soundness. He, he works everything together for your good and for my good. You can be assured of that right now. It's like sitting in that chair. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who don't love God. No. <laughs> to those who love God. This is our part. You know, not everybody gets in on this. It's not a blanket statement for the world necessarily right now. Um, it's for those who are responding to him, who are in relationship with him, who are, who are his kids. It's not that your parents are there and you're not. It's for those who love, who love him, who are committed to him, you know. And he says, I'm going to take these things you're going through. I'm going to, I'm going to show you my goodness. Good things are going to come out of it. I'm going to show you my goodness in it. And that's huge. But it implies active relationship. You know, that's one thing I hold on to for myself. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm up and down sometimes. Sometimes I'm in the Word pretty consistently now, but not always. You know, we were talking about this the other day. You miss your Bible reading for the day. Didn't pray today. Oh, what does God think about me? You know, there's ups and downs. But I, I know that, man, my, my, the consistency of my walk, even though there's ups and downs, is going up because I'm, I'm walking with the Lord and, I, and I'm in. And, and we have to look at that sometimes. 
that we don't look at the ups and downs. Man, I swore today. <laughs> Watch something on TV I shouldn't have watched, okay? I want, I want those things to be less frequent in my life. But, but the trajectory is that we're getting, getting better. You know, we're loving him. We're engaging with him in relationship. We're making choices. You know, I was hear Mike Bickle say, God's not looking for sentiment. <laughs> People say, I love Jesus. Well, good for you, you know. Uh, if you love me, keep my commandments. <laughs> you know, there's just a, but there's an upward trajectory of obedience in my life. And then the whole thing, to put it together here, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. This is one place, place this gets misinterpreted sometimes. Uh, we think about my purpose, you know. Uh, he's working my purpose. He's working our purpose, you know. It's, it's personalized, you know. But it's, it's, it's his purpose. Uh, my last Greek word for the day, uh, which I can't pronounce, prothesin, from uh, a word called protithemai, means a setting forth, a proposal, especially. And this is one that just dropped, Strong's Concordance dropped this. I thought this was fascinating. The showbread as exposed before God. You know what the showbread was? In the temple... There was an altar of incense, there was an altar, there was a holy of holies with the, the, the Ark of the Covenant, there was a candelabrum, but they had this table made of acacia wood that was covered in pure gold. Um, only the priests could see it, that's where they go minister to the Lord. Once a week they'd bake bread and put on this table, unleavened bread, probably in rounds, and they'd stack, you know, six and six, one for each tribe of Israel, and this bread would not get eaten. It would sit on the table, and you also heard it called, called uh, bread of the presence. The purpose of this bread, I'm sure it smelled up the whole room. You like fresh baked bread? You know, that's going to go with that Chick-fil-A we're going to have later. Like I said, not today because they're closed on Sunday. Don't ever say Chick-fil-A on Sunday. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times we've driven to Chick-fil-A on a Sunday to have lunch. Closed. Come on. Okay. What? I do, on, but not on Sundays, unless you buy it on Saturday and put it in a fridge and heat it up in a microwave. The showbread would sit on the table and smell, smell so good, and its presence was to sit in the presence of the Lord and soak up his presence. You know, one of, one of our purposes, one of his purposes for us is to, to be in his presence, even when we're just sitting there, <laughs> not, not accomplishing anything but reflecting him, reflecting his glory, soaking it up, being with him. That's one of his main purposes for us, you know. Um, I've got to quiet myself down just to be in his presence. But that's one of the words he's talking about here for purpose, you know. Every seven days I put this new bread out. You know, our purpose is to glorify him, reflect him, and soak up his presence. We also get to partner with him, which I like because... It's, it's good for us to do some things. It's not our main thing. And he's at work helping us be strengthened in the assignments he has for us as a church. And, and uh, not just church stuff, though. You know, at work, as a parent, as a minister of the gospel, wherever you go. <laughs> how you treat people and love, love them. He is working all things to help us get better at just reflecting him to the world. He's building confidence in you. That can't be taken away. Um, to, to tie this together real fast, 
I think of King David in his life. Uh, King David was king over Israel. He had awful, the 20s were not his decade, let's put it that way. His 20s were horrible. You know, in his teens, he, he slayed Goliath. He got anointed king over Israel. At 30, 33, he became king of Israel, and it was great, but his 20s sucked. His 20s, he is running from God. Saul's trying to kill him. Saul hired 3,000 full-time soldiers to chase David around Israel for eight or nine years to kill him. And Israel's not that big, <laughs> you know? And David ran all over the country from cave to cave. Um, he had to work through a lot of doubt and insecurity. It looked like he was going to die a few times. He had to say, didn't, you know, didn't God say I was going to be king? <laughs> didn't Samuel anoint me? Wasn't I the guy who slayed the giants, <laughs> you know? Didn't, didn't Samuel say I was going to replace Saul? Now it looks like Saul is going to win. But God was using those, that season to prepare him to be king over Israel. One thing cool that happened was God gave David a great class in geography. You know, I always liked geography. Everybody liked geography in school. I always enjoyed learning about countries and where things are. And I'll still go back to the, we got a map in the prayer room, and I'll just get lost in that map looking at all the geography and the countries sometimes. But David got run all over the country. He learned every nook and cranny, every cave, how the wind blows in this part of the country, what's going to happen over here, um, where the water is. You know, he would have rather taken a class, <laughs> but he didn't. Uh, he, he learned how to fight and defend his country in these areas. You know, he learned. And when the right time came, Israel got a king that knew the countryside, that knew the land. And everything, God uses it <laughs> in our life. Even when we're running. Even when we think we're fighting for our life. And that's what God does. You might be going through things, or maybe you've gone through things as you think about your life. And some of you guys are young, and some of you are older. And we think about things we've been through and thinking, man, that was just crap. <laughs> you know, you got to think those, those things in your life, you're thinking, what the heck was that all about? You know, why, what's God going to do with this? And you know, he's working all things together for good. He's not going to waste anything as we stay engaged with him. And it's awesome. What's God's purpose right now and everything going on in our country? What's God's purpose? I'll tell you, it's all about his church. It's all about his church. He's preparing a bride <laughs> for his son, and that's us. He is purifying and perfecting and working on us and getting us ready for the marriage that's coming. It's going to be awesome. Uh, and he's drawn people to himself to be part of his family. What's God doing right now? It's all about his church. <laughs> you know, politics is a secondary thing to what God is doing with his church. And we're going to see his blessings. And we're going to see him work through us. There are tough times ahead. And there are some amazing times ahead of what God's going to do. But everything he does in us, it's bigger than what we could ever do on our own. There's synergy involved. And that's what's great. How did David get the victory? I'm going to close with this. He committed his life and his times into God's hands. There's a very famous thing that David wrote right in the middle of this running from Saul, running for his life. Life seemed hellish, hellacious. 
he didn't know what was going to happen. He wondered if he was going to live or die. Um, and he wrote this, Psalms 31, 1 through 5. O Lord, I have come to you for protection. Don't let me be disgraced. Save me for what you do is right. <laughs> Turn your ear to listen to me. Rescue me quickly. Be my rock of protection, a fortress where I will be safe. You are my rock and my fortress. For the honor of your name, lead me out of this danger. Pull me from the trap my enemies have set before me. For I find protection in you alone. I entrust my spirit into your hand. Rescue me, Lord, for you are a faithful God. And there's two things in there he said that I think are, are pretty remarkable. I entrust my spirit, my life, into your hand because you're faithful. And I trust your timing. My times are in your hand. You know how to lead me into just the right thing at just the right time. And these are significant statements. He didn't say, I commit my spirit to you because he wasn't on his deathbed. He was talking about his life. He was saying, I commit to you the outcome of the things that are most deeply concerning to me. Okay? Let me just be honest. Many of us are concerned about our country. We've been concerned, depending on our different political ideology, for different things at different times. There's concern. You know, one thing we do, like David did, we, we commit the outcome of even our nation to the Lord. The nation is secondary, the church is primary, okay? We can't forget that. The church is the main thing, you know? USA is not going to last forever. The kingdom of God is going to last forever, the church, okay? That, that's We've got to remember that, okay? But there's things that you're concerned about. David just concerned, he just committed it to the Lord. God, the outcome's in your hands. I'm okay with that, you know? He tried to save his own life. He didn't get lazy and like, well, let, let Saul just kill me. No, he, he worked hard to stay safe. But he said, these things that are concerning to me, I put in your hands, you know. And he also said this, I'm not going to try to figure it all out. You've got a timing. I told you last week, my prayer for this election is, God, put the person in right now that's going to be best for your church that you know that we need right now. You know, you can, you can, you can direct this thing any way you want to. I want what you want. For this, I commit it into your hands. And the timing is hard. <laughs> Jesus used the same phrase on the cross. He's dying on the cross, and he, and he quoted David, <laughs> and he said, Into your hands I commit my spirit. And this was powerful that he did that. And he was saying that, you know, in his humanity, maybe he didn't feel or know beyond the pain where all this was going. I don't know what Jesus felt or thought on the cross. But it was a statement of, even if I don't understand every detail of what's happening right now, I'm acting in obedience, and God, I commit it to you, I trust you. Because I know that you work all things together for my good <laughs> and according to your purpose. If you know the Lord Jesus today, you're actively engaged in a relationship with him. You know, you're, you're seeking him the best you can. Man, you, you're, you're, you're in, you, you pray, you talk to him, you're in this thing. Might not be hitting out of the park every day, okay? But you're, you're in. If you're in, I can tell you this. He is working all things together for your soundness and wholeness because you love him. And he is working a plan, and you're part of it, and it's good, and uh, he's going to get the glory. And that's where we are today. 
That's where we are. So can you today, in the middle of the craziness, say, God, I commit the outcome to you, and I commit the timing to you, okay? Might not be my timing, might not be what I, I think needs to happen, but God, I commit it to you because you're faithful. Can we just pray that together this morning? And let's make that an act of our will, submitting our will to the Lord and trust him. Uh, let's, let's, let's just bow our heads for a minute. And I, and I want to acknowledge as we're praying, some of you guys right now might be going through some, some personal battles and challenges that are very difficult for you right now. Just commit it to the Lord. God, I give you this. Maybe politically you don't like what you see happening on one side or the other. Commit it to the Lord. Maybe there's something in your family right now, decisions that are being made, something you see happening that you're not crazy about at your work. Commit it to the Lord. Commit, com, you know, submit to his timing. Let's pray. Lord, we love you today, and I thank you that you are this grand master conductor uh, conducting the affairs of mankind right now. How much more so your church? <laughs> Lord, how, how much more so us, that who you love, um, Lord, we thank you that you are intimately involved in everything that we allow you into. Lord, I thank you for our jobs, our families, for the election, for our country, for the world, for your church. Lord, we commit it to you. Lord, we trust you in where you're leading us, and despite decisions that are made by authority over us, like Saul, Lord, you are working things together for our good, and God, we trust you in it, and we thank you. And we commit the timing to you as well. Lord, we look forward to the great things that you're doing. And Lord, to see the culmination of those things as well. And Lord, we love you today and we thank you. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen.